This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Hey, Life Church, good morning, good to see you. Sign up for Alpha, eh? Yeah. So worth doing. Definitely, highly, highly recommended. We're in our series, Reading Mark Meeting Jesus. And if this is your first time, you can just jump right in to, to this this morning. You've, you, you've missed, you, I was going to say you haven't missed anything. You totally have, right? <laughs> you've missed loads. But fortunately for you, you can check it out on the, uh, get the podcast and catch up. But uh, Reading Mark, Meeting Jesus, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. That's how Mark starts, and uh, we're learning loads about Jesus. And we actually believe if you meet Jesus for yourself, it's life-changing. And if we keep on developing a relationship with Jesus, that's really what works in life. And I also want to encourage you into that and to, and to lean into that. And we're going we're gonna to pick this up uh, again in Mark chapter 5. And, and in, in the story, as Mark often does, he tells more than one story at the same time. So it's kind of, there's the big story and it's kind of like a subplot in the middle of it. But the thing with the subplot is, if you were the subplot... It's the big story for you, isn't it? Because it totally is. But what I want us to realize is whatever we are going through right now is our big story, but it's not the only story. And if we can be people who can see other people's story at the same time, then that's the kind of community God wants us to be. Because we know God cares about us, and we're struggling, we're challenging, we've got questions, we might have fears, we might have all sorts of things going on. But if we can have peripheral vision, so we can see things around us, not just focus on our own situation. And like me, you'll have had times in life when you've felt you've had to throw everything at what you're going through right now. I've just got to give this my attention. But inside of that, if we can be aware of other people, it's extraordinary how God can use us to help others, even where we're the ones we think we need the most help. And that's what community is. It's not just about me and my issues or me and my family. We widen it out so that we can see that whilst going through my challenge, I can be a blessing to others. And I think we see this in in this story about Jesus through his compassion for people. I'm going to tell you about a compassionate God, a compassionate Jesus, but I can also introduce you to compassionate people. Many of the people you sat in the middle of, you might not know them very well, but I can tell you because I do. And there's a lot of compassion. There's a lot of love. There's a lot of care. There's a lot of actively helping other people. So I'm preaching to the converted when I talk about compassion because you get it. Many of you get it. And I want you to draw into that and think, yeah, I could receive something for being part of this community, but I can also contribute something by being part of this community. And and I don't know about you, but I find as I give to others and help others, it's extraordinary what comes back to you. You don't do it for that, but it comes back to you and you get the blessings as well. So thinking about that as we kind of setting up this story. Now, Now, it's important to see what's going on. And I know at times it's it's important to be focused. Uh, if you're a brain surgeon, that would be, that would be a good thing. That you were focused, particularly if you're operating on me. That, that would be helpful. I'd appreciate that. And 
when you're doing certain things, you need focus. When you're in an exam, you need focus. Absolutely. So I'm not saying don't focus on yourself. I'm saying we can do both. It's not an either or. It's an and. And so let, let's look at Mark chapter 5. And I'm going to read a whole uh, chunk here. Quite a few verses of the Bible. Quite a few paragraphs, sentences, whatever you want to call it. And it's because this is the good news about Jesus. The Messiah, the Son of God. So it's all, it's all going to help. It's really going to help. And it's going to help us get into the story. Now, I've read this through dozens and dozens of times as I've been preparing. And some of you might be ahead of me in Mark and reading through Mark as we've encouraged you to do. If you can do that, that would be absolutely wonderful. But tune in as best you can this morning to these uh, scriptures. Two stories, but kind of interlinked. And however many stories, for, uh, for however many people are in the room right now, there's at least that many stories going on, right? There's probably more than that because you know of other stories and th- there's loads of stories. But I actually think that as a community and as created, people created by God, we are part of one big story. So God's plan is to restore his creation That's the big story. That's the big news. And he's drawing us into that. And our story is part of the big story. And uh, that's where where we're going. Anyway, Mark chapter 5, 21. We heard last week about Jesus in the boat. And and that was was great. Definitely, Definitely listen to that podcast if you missed that from Dan. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. We can only imagine how desperate this guy was to come to this point. So Jesus went with him. And a lot of good news, he's, he's pleaded with Jesus, and Jesus has gone with him to do what the man has asked him to do. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care, interesting choice of words, of many doctors, and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Another desperate situation. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt, it one, she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He, touched, he turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples said. They're saying, this is a crazy, story. This is a crazy question. Because there's crowds. I mean, uh, a few weeks ago, I was uh, in the tube in London, and uh, you're just uh, in the underground, and you're just like stuffed in, 30-odd degrees, and it's uncomfortable. Who touched me? Well, about 110 people probably. And so how would you, how would you ever know? But this, Jesus knew that she t- touched her with intent. That's the difference. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Who touched my clothes? You see, the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. Yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. 
Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what it said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. How how would you receive that in that situation? He did not let anyone follow him, that's into the house, except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed in his face. After he put them all out, so he got rid of the unbelief and he kept the faith in the house. After he put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talithim Kum, which is Arabic, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. So it's interesting, two stories. It kind of looks initially that the main story is this guy Jairus, whose daughter was desperately ill, was dying. He said that himself. And then this, this, this other lady, we don't know her name, kind of broke into the story. Hang on, this is my story. Let me have my moment. Let me have my story. She broke in. And Jesus, in spite of, in spite of being so tired and, and, and focused on what, God, what his father had sent him to do, still had the peripheral vision, the vision to see what was going on around. And on his way to help somebody else, he was able to help this woman as well. It's extraordinary if we step out to do something for God, that God gives us opportunities we could never have foreseen on the way. So when you're on the way, focus, still have the vision to see what God's opening up to you and opportunities. Yesterday, uh, my two-year-old grandson saw one of these alpha flyers on my, uh, on, my, on my desk in my study at home. And he says, from church. So he recognized what they were. And I have them on my desk, in my study, to remind me to pray for Alpha. And we've already encouraged you to get involved in that. I also carry them in my pocket and uh, give them to unsuspecting uh, checkout assistants, uh, wait, waiters, whatever. Because on the way, there's opportunities. So check that out. On the way. And some of you are way better at talking to people about Jesus probably than I am on a one-to-one. So run with your strengths and, and, and use, use a tool. So on the way, there's opportunities. Wasn't particularly planned to say that, but hey, that's okay. So it's two desperate people. Main story seems like a subplot. Mark is brilliant in merging these two together. Jesus had time. So little you or little me in my situation, Jesus has definitely got time for you. He's definitely aware of where you're at. He's definitely ready to listen and answer your prayer. He's not preoccupied with something or somebody more important than you. Because when God's concerned, there actually isn't anybody more important than you. You are important. 
We're all VIPs. He's not listening to some people more than others. He's listening to us all. So if we get hold of that, then where you're at right now, God can meet your need and help you and bless you. I believe it. And so Psalm 145 verse 8, if you didn't believe about God's love, he, this, is, this is Old Testament, right? The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. So if you think God is quick to be angry at you, and is looking for opportunities where you slip up so he can batter you, that's not the Bible. I don't know where that's from, but it's definitely not the Bible. And it's definitely not my experience either. Because God is patient with me. Thank God for that. God is compassionate towards me. I appreciate that. And he's creating here... And in other places, a community of compassionate people who care for others. That's what God looks like. So if you've been introduced to a God who's an angry God and wants to bat you and has is, 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 is run out of patience with you, quit with that God and meet the God of the Bible who is compassionate, slow to anger, compassionate, filled with unfailing love. Ah, that, how good's that? I, I am personally grace, grateful and and I'm so grateful that that's the God that I serve. He's right, he's right there. He's like that. So in meeting, reading Mark and meeting Jesus, we, we see Jesus who is compassion personified. He's a picture of compassion. You know, we've all heard many times, God is love. That means God doesn't just love. That's who he is. It's his character, it's his makeup, it's the essence of God. And if you know God who isn't love, it's not the God of the Bible, it's not the God that I believe in and, and you believe in, I'm sure, also. So here's the story. Jairus' daughter was 12 years old. Interestingly, the woman who had the problem with chronic bleeding had been ill for 12 years as well. So there's extraordinary symmetry in these two stories that kind of coming together. Twelve years, twelve years. Jesus was the answer for a twelve-year-old problem, and he was the answer for a twelve-year-old critically sick uh, girl. And we'll see the story as we read through this. It's all about faith and about fear. And I want to say, I, I said this a few weeks ago, I want to say it again, because I'm, I'm going to talk about faith, and I'm going to talk about how this, because of their their, the faith involved here, that was the, the conduit, the, 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 the thing, the, the um, means of these guys being healed. I want to say clearly that there were many people at this time, this was not the only person that died when Jesus was in his ministry. He didn't raise them all. There were many other sick people that Jesus didn't heal. So is it just because they had faith and they didn't have faith? Well, I, that's not what I believe either, right? I believe that ultimately we have a hope and a future with God. And God heals people, and sometimes he doesn't heal people. But I don't pray, pray for people. Uh, when I pray for people, I don't, I'm not afraid that, that they might not get healed. We pray for people because we love them. And we do what God says to be compassionate and believing all the time they're being healed. And if, even if they're not healed... You know, they have an, a future in heaven with, with an eternal God. And, you know, in the end, we've got a future. We've got a hope. And so we can't simply say, you are not healed because you didn't have enough faith. Dangerous. Dangerous. I have personally lost people dear to me. And that was, I don't believe that was because they didn't have faith. I don't believe that. 
And you may have been in the same situation. So can we take the pressure off us and say, if someone, someone doesn't get well, it's my fault, it's your fault, because you didn't pray hard enough, didn't have enough faith. No, but in faith, God responds to faith. And in this situation, we will see that these people were healed. So what they said was interesting. So they were faith-filled statements. So the man, Jairus, about his daughter, he said, Jesus, if you just come with me to my home and you lay your hands on her, she'll get better. He absolutely believed that. He had faith. And Jesus worked with that faith. Similarly, the woman who had the chronic bleeding, she believed that if she just touched Jesus' cloak, she would get well. There was faith. Now, there's nothing magic about but we could talk about, about, about uh, what the Bible, the Old Testament says about when it, when it comes, you'll have healing. And, 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 and we could talk about that. But that, let's not get sidetracked to think that what you need is a magic cloak. It's not that. It's the faith that healed her. She touched him. And I actually believe just one touch from God can transform your life. But the, her touch was deliberate. Many other people bounced off him, rubbed up against him as he was pushing through the crowd, I'm sure. But this one woman touched him with intent and was healed. These stories are about faith and fear. There was, there was fear involved. She was terrified when she spoke to Jesus afterwards. She was terrified what other people would say. The guy, the guy was, was, afra- was afraid and Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. When he saw an impossible situation where his daughter had died, what happened was the God of the impossible collided with the impossible situation. And because of that, she was, her daughter was raised from the dead. So don't be afraid, just believe. Jesus said to Jairus, to the woman he said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And he says the same to us today. Don't be afraid, believe. Go in in peace, you're suffering. And so I'm believing this morning, and, and, and Dan and I were talking during the service this morning, there's faith in the house this morning. Not that there isn't every week, but just felt there's faith here. And so if you want to combine your faith with ours, with mine, and many other people here who love God and serve God, are all imperfect like me, but have a passion for Jesus and a passion for people. If we could combine our faith, what's the best that could happen? What's the best that could All sorts of things could happen. People could be released and delivered and healed and blessed and all of that. Well, I'm actually... All week I believe for that. So just just join in. So this is a tale of two stories. A bigger story, as it seems, as sometimes our story seems a small addendum to what else is going on in the world. But critically, Jesus sees you as a big story, part of the bigger story, his plan for restoration. So he was the woman who had constant bleeding. Now the problem with the, the obvious more than one obvious problem, I guess, with that. She was, the woman was sick. She'd seen the doctors. She spent all the money she had. No, no uh, health service uh, at that time. She'd spent all the money seeing doctors. And under their care, supposedly, she got worse, not better. So she was, she was desperate. But on, on top of the fact she felt very ill and was very ill, on top of that, because of what they the, the, the believed at that time, she was ritually 
ritually impure. So she could not go because of her bleeding. She could not go to the temple or the synagogue. She could not really, not supposed to really even be seen in, in public. And people were terrified of touching somebody, connecting with somebody who was, who was impure because that would ha- they believed that that would happen to them. So this, she's in an, a, a horrendous situation, probably was confined to one room in her own house. That's how bad it was. She was marginalized and confined and didn't know anybody, just, just kept herself to herself. That couldn't happen today. Flipping does. It does. There's people in our community who don't see anybody, don't talk to anybody. So say hi. You're, you can't answer the, you're not the solution to the problem any more than I am, but we might be a solution to one person's lack of friends and connection and and, and, and for, for we, we don't put barriers up at Life Church. If we did, how many of us would have got in? Yeah. Not sure if I would. No, because it's anyone who wants to be here is welcome. Because that's the good news about Jesus. Everyone's welcome. It's an open, it, it, it's not exclusive, it's inclusive. And uh, so this lady, Jesus had time to touch somebody, to reach out to somebody who no one else would have anything else to do with and she was deliberate she reached out in faith if i can just touch his clothes i will be healed sometimes we think that our problems exclude us from being in relationship with god sometimes we think we are not good enough for god to love us sometimes we think we're not good enough to be part of a caring compassionate community with all its imperfections but actually problems difficulties, they're never a barrier to God because God's always reaching out. He's always, he's always drawing us in. He's, he's always wanting to include us. So if you've got this massive challenge, please don't think, I'll come back to church when I sort myself out. No, come as you are. Yeah. Let's see what God can do. Let's see, let's see how we can support you. So let's see how we can encourage you. Let's see how we can stand with you through the troubles and the pain and the heartache. And let, let's, let's see how we can get through this together. Jesus is always ready to help no matter how impossible a problem appears to us. So don't love, allow fear to stop you reaching out to him. One touch was enough. So there was a woman that was also... The little girl. I mean, we know a guy, Jairus. She's just referred to as Jairus' daughter. But was a, she, she was the one in need. Well, Jairus was because obviously we can only imagine how he must have felt. And some of you know how he would have felt when, when, when uh, a son or a daughter is critically ill like, like, that, like that. So you can, we cannot, most of us can only imagine how he felt. But he said, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. He must have been, this was a brave guy because he was an official in the local synagogue. Not so much of a big deal because it wasn't a big town, but he had to keep up appearances. Next Saturday, next, his next Sabbath, he would have been in a situation where he had to face all the people. 
he connected with this guy called Jesus who was causing trouble or some thought. So he was, he was sticking his neck out even at, even at that point. Then how must he have felt? Was Jesus said, I'm going to come with you. So they set off. And he knows it's like, you know, there's not a moment to lose. You've got to get there, Jesus. She's dying. We've got to get there. You've, 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 got, to, you've got to be there. And as she's going there, Jesus apparently seems to get held up and distracted by this other lady. And if I was Jairus, because my focus would have been on my daughter, if I was Jairus, I'd be getting, come on, come on, Jesus. You know, it can wait, it can wait. But no, he, was, he seemed to be able to, to stick with it and just, just go at, at that time. But how sad it was when he got there. They came out to tell him. When there's bad news, seldom do you have to wait for it. Your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Jesus heard them say this. And he said to him, Don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. And I mean, there are situations, and I think faith and walking with Jesus and being a Christian is often... There's often there's a combination of fear and faith going on at the same time. We're afraid of what might happen. Sometimes there's a combination of fear and doubts. Right? In the real world, where most of us live, you, you might not be a super Christian. You never, this, you never have any doubts, never have any fears, just rocking on with God. Wonderful, right? I'm like that some of the time. But in the real world, we have fears. And we have doubts. God, are you actually going to come through with this? God, I, I, can you, will you help me in this situation? But he had, there was a combination of fear and faith. There was a commotion, people crying and wailing loudly. I, I love how the Message Bible puts what, what the situation was like. It says, they entered the house and pushed their way through the gossips looking for a story and the neighbors bringing in casseroles. <laughs> you get the picture. There's loads of people, but there's no faith. There's loads of people telling you what the problem is, but there's no faith. There's, there's loads of people just wanting to say, don't be bothered, don't waste your time, but there's no faith. So Jesus picks three of his closest confidants, three of his disciples. He picks three of them who I believe he chose them because of their faith, and they went with him into the house. And he told the others who had no faith, get out of here, you're getting in the way, you're not helping. And sometimes in life we face situations where some people who may be close to us, they're not helping. They're not helping because they're giving you negativity, they're giving you doubts. And you need to find people who you can journey with and be with who will encourage you in your faith and speak truth into your life and speak positivity about the love of God and the goodness of God. God's not finished with you yet. You're not a lost cause. It's not over for you. There is a hope. There is a future. God can come through. God will come through. God can change things around. Absolutely. I promise you, if you're facing a challenge, you will have the naysayers. You will have the negative negativity. You will have the doubters. You will have the people who are faithless. In that situation, get yourself together with some faith-filled people. People who live by faith and strengthen you and encourage you and speak into your life. That's why life groups are important. That's why good Christian friends are important. I mean, I, 
you may be in a household where you're the first Christian. And you speak things and believe things and there's no positivity. And I'm not telling you to get out of that household. Definitely not, right? So don't hear what I'm not saying. But you need to also find people who can speak into your, li- into your life. So important that we find faith-filled people. They laughed at him. He put them out because there was no faith. And he said, he healed her. He spoke to her. Little girl, I say to you, get up. Can you imagine what that household must have been like after that? The girl had died. Now she was alive, running around, doing what 12-year-old girls did at that time, of which I have no idea. But she was doing all of that and, and some. She was doing all of that because she was alive. She was chronically ill. Now she was alive. So that's the question. In your, in your walk with God, who are you journeying with? I mean, it, 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 it's such a big question, right? I, I, I know from my experience, I've, at times I've had to not stop listening to people. Not, not, not excluding them and ignoring them, but, but, you know, friends with them, but not listen to them. In, in our journey with this, with this building, we had some of those. Give up. Enough's enough. No, because we know what God said. And if you know what God said, you get other people that agree with you and remind you what God said. And if you do that, that's such a positive people. Faith-filled people. People who live by faith. Be careful who you listen to. Some are speaking negativity into your life right now. Why in the wild world are you letting them do it? Speak faith. Encouragement. Positivity. Build people up. Help people. Do what the best we can. The next question, I guess, is in your story... Do you, how compassionate are you? I'm consumed with what I'm going through right now. I, I haven't time for other people. I think I've made the point. It's not an either or. God can use us even in the middle of the storm. Society avoided these people, but Jesus reached out to help them. How aware are we of what's going on around us? Got a picture here of a horse. With blinkers on, Americans call them blinders. Blinkers apparently are what you put on when you're turning right or left indicators. Never mind. Blinkers. Now, in, in life, there are times to focus. But the, the, I am not an equine expert. And if you don't know what that means, neither are you. So I don't know much about... I don't know much about horses, absolutely, so I confess that. But I know that they put blinkers on horses so they're not distracted by what's happening around them or to to a degree behind them because if horses have other horses behind them or whatever, apparently that can spook them. So they put blinkers or blinders on them to keep them focused. But as a Christian, that is not appropriate headgear. Next picture. Don't go through life wearing blinkers. Because God has created us to be in community, to be aware of other people, to be compassionate as God is compassionate to us, to be unfailing in love for people as God is for us, to be full of grace for people as God is for us, to be patient with people as God is with us, and to be aware 
of what's around us. The strength of this community is for many of you, you are very much all of that and more. Don't live a blinkered life. Your story might be all-consuming. It might be huge. Your story might be a big deal. Your story might be a huge challenge. It might be the thing that dominates your thoughts, the first thing you think about in the morning and when you go to sleep. In that story, remember, you're part of a much bigger story. God's restoration plan for his creation. And within that story, we can get joy, we can get blessing, we can get encouragement as we reach out to bless others. It's amazing when people take steps. I hear story after story coming from this community of how people bless other people. And it's extraordinary when people take... I heard a story this week, and I haven't asked permission to share it, so so I I won't right now. But But this was a situation where someone stepped out in faith and was prepared to make a sacrifice. And because of that... Someone, that someone else said, "No, I'll pay." Wonderful, wonderful. But you only get that when you step out in faith. You only get that when you bless other people. Things come into your life when you love people, when you bless people, and you reach out in faith to minister to other. I believe when Mark was writing this gospel, telling us these stories, his hope, his aim was that the intimacy that these people had when Jesus touched them would be the same level of intimacy that we can enjoy 2,000 years later because we can know the touch of God in our lives. We can know a God that's compassionate and loves us, that touches us, that helps us, that brings change into our life. That's the relationship we're talking about. In reading Mark, meeting Jesus, you meet a God who's not far off. It's not a God who's distant, not a God who is not bothered. It's a God who wants to be intimately involved in in our lives. He doesn't rake in and force us to do things we don't want to do. That's not the God we serve. But he's there wanting to be part of your life and my life. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. Coming through Mark on, on, when I get to Mark, on the ninth, uh, on the uh, start again. One week, chapter nine. I'm preaching on the 23rd of September from chapter nine. There was a guy there. I'm talking about fear and faith and lack of lack of faith. There's a guy here. He says, "Lord, I believe. Help me. Un- help my unbelief." Yeah. What an honest guy. Yeah. So let's be honest to God this morning. Let's be honest to ourselves and say, God, I've got some faith, or I've got a right lot of faith, or just help me with my faith. Help me to build my faith and to believe something. So this morning you might be here with a great need yourself. You might be here kind of, in a sense, representing someone else in need. I believe by faith, when we pray, God's going to come through to you, through for you this morning. Before you leave this room, things, circumstances are going to change. Healing's going to come. I believe that faith is here in the house for that. And when we pray... We're going to combine our faith. It's not just about me. Special access to God because I'm a pastor. You have the same level of access. Understand that. God's ready to hear your cry, to hear your prayer as well. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.